All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you enjoyed my last podcast episode as much as I did, the 2021 NFL Mock Draft episode that I do as often as I can. Every I've done it for, I think, now four straight years. Um, always a favorite of mine to do. And the follow-up episode to the draft is right up there as well for great episodes of mine because now we get to discuss what we saw last weekend over the course of the three-day NFL draft. And of course, we have to start with the biggest news, which had nothing to do with an NFL draft pick, and that would be Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, the absolute news bombs that were just kept dropping on Packers fans and everybody all last weekend, day after day. We'll try to unpack the whole thing, especially in light of recent news and information. We'll try to come to a point where we think this is at for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and what we think is most likely next to come. So hang on, stick with me here as I I try to unravel this mess that has kind of been placed in front of all Packers fans, and we'll, we'll try to work through this here. So again, the story of the draft. I mean, if you remember actually my last episode, I was, that was kind of one of my questions to end the the entire episode was what do you think will be will come out as the story of the draft usually it's about the top five quarterbacks and it it is that's that's definitely a storyline that that of course has been run but of course it is once again the Green Bay Packers and having to do with Aaron Rodgers a little bit with Jordan Love not as much but this is more with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers so the news came out on draft day maybe what a couple hours before the draft started, maybe what, five, six hours before the draft started, that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, Adam Schefter, then going on the Dan Patrick show a couple days later saying it was his choice to report it on draft day. So let's 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 dive into this here. We'll we'll get to a a final conclusion of can this be fixed with Rodgers and the Packers? Because right now where we're at and what we've heard is Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay He's not happy with the organization. So let's start on draft day. And we'll go back to to Adam Schefter's original tweet. And here's what it said. So reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled with Green Bay that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. League and team sources told ESPN on Thursday. So we'll we'll come back to this tweet because this is where a lot of people have become upset. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have already known how Schefter has kind of what he said on the Dan Patrick show that has made so many upset. So that starts it right there. Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled with Green Bay that he does not want to return to the organization. Jay Glazer followed it up with Aaron told Packers he doesn't want to return, as Adam Schefter said, and I think it's more than a contract deal. I think he's pretty strongly convinced, convicted, I'm sorry, that he doesn't want to go back to the Packers. So you got Adam Schefter, Jay Glazer, all these guys coming out saying, that Aaron Rodgers is upset with the Green Bay Packers. He might not want to return. Now, where it gets confusing is when Adam Schefter then goes on. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's 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 take a step back before we get to Adam Schefter on the Dan Patrick show. On draft night, then you've got the Green Bay Packers front office. You've got Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekinds. They're answering these questions about this Aaron Rodgers news, and they are not denying it in the fact that Aaron Rodgers is upset. They are saying, yes, we know he is disgruntled with the team. I have flown out there. Let's say this is Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy goes, I have flown out to Aaron in California. Brian's flown out there. And Matt LaFleur 
has flown out there to meet with him and talk with him and see if we can kind of resolve this. So they're not denying that Aaron Rodgers is upset with the Green Bay Packers. I think a lot of fans even knew that he was upset with the Green Bay Packers. Not And it's not just the Jordan Love pick. Adam Schefter said this has been an accumulation of things. Ian Rappaport has said this hasn't just been one thing. It's been a buildup to stuff like this. So Packers fans have been pretty sure or have known pretty well that Aaron Rodgers is not happy with the Green Bay Packers. That's not something really new that we thought of, right? So they're they're not denying it, of course. So now we go to Adam Schefter on the Dan Patrick show. This is where it starts to get frustrating for some and a lot of people, I think. So Adam Schefter goes on the Dan Patrick show and he says, this was a buildup of things that I kept hearing about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. This wasn't, and this is where this is where people kind of flew off the handle on Adam Schefter. He chose to report this on draft day with no new information saying that Aaron Rodgers was disgruntled and wanted out of Green Bay. That's where a lot of people have the problem because his original tweet said, sources tell ESPN on Thursday. So what what he, he kind of retracted himself and kind of contradicted himself there on the Dan Patrick show because his original report says is, is, is almost like it's breaking news. Like this is new. Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. He wants to be traded, yada, yada. What are the Packers going to do from here on out? Then he goes on the Dan Patrick show and he says, this was not new information. I chose to report this on this day. It just happened to be draft day, which, which let's get real, Adam Schefter. This was a, a very clickbait day for you to do this. And he basically admitted that later on on the Dan Patrick show, which is a bold thing to do, saying, yes, this was this was for a clickbait kind of deal. But that's what a lot of people got upset about is when... He goes on and he says, no, this was not brand new information. This this was an accumulation over the offseason, which is fine. I mean, the Packers, they lose in the NFC Championship game at home against Tom Brady. And let's not take this lightly either. Tom Brady having that much success overnight almost in Tampa Bay has weighed on a lot of quarterbacks. A lot of quarterbacks that have had that success that haven't gotten over the hump Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, that's frustrating for them. Getting to the playoffs year after year but not making it to the Super Bowl, all of a sudden Tom Brady goes to a new team. They give him everything that he needs, and boom, they're in the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl in year one. That's very frustrating for a lot of these quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, guys like that that are consistently great that haven't gotten to their second Super Bowls or won their second Super Bowls. So that's that's another thing. So Rodgers, they lose to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He goes on, he, I mean, he said it himself on TV after the game. He's like, I would like to finish my career in Green Bay, but I'm not sure if that's up to me anymore. So, I mean, right there, you've got you've got Aaron Rodgers saying it himself. He's not sure if he's going to be finishing in Green Bay. So, yes, you know Aaron Rodgers is upset. But when you re, when the way that Adam Schefter reported it initially was that this is breaking news, he wants out now. Then he goes on the Dan Patrick Show and says, this is an accumulation and this is something that I chose to break on draft day, which I thought was just, <laughs> I mean, you could have done this any other day and not taken the limelight away from all these young men that <laughs> had their dreams come true of getting drafted in the NFL. But that's another thing. So then you've got reports from guys like James Jones, John Kuhn, A.J. Hawk, former teammates 
of Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying they've talked to Aaron. Well, actually, before we get to those guys, this then takes the next step for 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 the, how the Rodgers rumors train just starts rolling. It's all of a sudden now Aaron Rodgers wants Brian Gutekinds fired. He needs this and this. All of a sudden it's Jake Kumaro being cut from the team is one of the reasons, one of the things that snapped Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Now I get, now it's not that Jake Kumaro was his number one target or anything like that and how could the Packers release him. It was that Aaron Rodgers praised him on TV and then the next day Jake Kumaro was released. To be fair to the Packers, it was cut day the next day. Like the next day was the day they had to get down to the 53-man roster. And Jake Kumro, they probably knew beforehand that he wasn't going to make the roster. It's not like this was in the middle of the season and Jake Kumro and Aaron Rodgers goes to praise Jake Kumro. Then the Packers front office goes, you know what? Let's go cut Jake Kumro today. That's not what happened. But something like that is something that Aaron Rodgers probably would have liked to be warned about so he doesn't look like an idiot on TV. So then you've got you got this coming out. You got Jake Kumro. You got all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers wants Brian Gudikins fired, Matt Lafleur to take over of of the personnel. All of this starts to snowball and fire and roll down the hill here. You don't know where any of this is coming from. It's just source after source. You've got um, some guy out of San Francisco roll, running with this rumor that the 49ers offered the number three overall pick, first round picks in the future, and and this and this to get Aaron Rodgers on the team. That one was discredited immediately. And this is what just like started prompting all these unwarranted rumors. Now we get to James Jones, A.J. Hawk, John Kuhn. These guys, former teammates of Aaron Rodgers, are the ones that are talking to Aaron Rodgers. And they say, you know what? He never said he wanted Brian Gutekinds fired. That's not Aaron's M.O. I believe he wants to stay in Green Bay, but it's, it's definitely a fractured relationship. And, I, and they think that this is a repairable thing that can do, where as Adam Schefter, Ian Rapp, the, the, the big media outlets, Jay Glazer, all these guys are saying this is going to be almost impossible to fix. And that's where the rumor of does firing Brian Gutekunst fix that? So you've got all this snowballing, and now you've got guys like James Jones, A.J. Hawk, John Kuhn, who have actually talked to Aaron Rodgers during this time, have said this. And the other thing that's gotten people upset is, Adam Schefter on the Dan Patrick show goes out and says, this is not, this news that I reported did not come from Aaron Rodgers or his camp, did not come from the Green Bay Packers or this organization. It was an accumulation of stuff. And that's where people got upset, me, myself included. How can you report something as Aaron Rodgers, how can you report something as his feelings where he, he want, he's demanding a trade, he wants so-and-so fired, he wants this and that. How can you report that? if you're not getting it directly from him. You know, that's where a lot of fans have struggled. That's where I think Adam Schefter has taken a ton of heat this past week after going on the Dan Patrick show and admitting that it it wasn't, it didn't come from like Aaron Rodgers telling Adam Schefter, texting him, hey, I'm pissed in Green Bay, I want out. That obviously didn't happen. But obviously what I think Adam Schefter has, has more that he could share. But the, the problem is, when you say he could be protecting a source too, maybe it is a Green Bay Packer player that is in contact with Rodgers that Adam Schefter just won't share his name. That could very well be the case. But when it comes to that, that's where you get these guys that can just start saying sources say, right? 
everybody struggles to, to believe something to its full extent when you just say sources say, because then you've got the guy out in San Francisco who said sources say the 49ers offered Green Bay this, this, the third overall pick for Aaron Rodgers. You got guys that can just all of a sudden go out and do that when you just say sources say. So that's where a lot of people struggle when Adam Schefter said it didn't come from Aaron Rodgers or anyone in his camp. It didn't come from the Green Bay Packers in the organization. Then the question is, where did this come from? What prompted you to just put this out there? Because in my opinion now, this has made Aaron Rodgers look really bad in the eyes of Green Bay Packers fans. I I was spending the weekend with all, a lot of my friends, all of us Green Bay Packers fans, and we all, and just gauging the room, a lot of people were not happy with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure if Aaron Rodgers thought that if he dis, if he voiced his displeasure that this would look bad on the Green Bay Packers, but I'll tell you this, and I think a lot of Green Bay Packers fans feel the same way. Green Bay Packers fans are loyal to the Green Bay Packers, not one individual player. They love their individual players. We love our Brett Favre's. We love our Reggie White's. We love our Bart Stars. We love our Aaron Rodgers, but we will always come back to the Green Bay Packers first over a specific player. So, and the fact that, and then now you've, and then you hear uh, Aaron Rodgers commercials at a Timber, uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers game, a lower affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. And all of a sudden fans are booing an Aaron Rodgers commercial. This is what you don't want. You don't want the fans hurting the reputation and legacy of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay if it's something that he didn't bring upon himself if a reporter all of a sudden brought this on him. And this is where a lot of people are now starting to turn their hatred for this whole situation on Adam Schefter. Now, I think a lot of what Adam Schefter said is absolutely true in terms of Aaron Rodgers is disgruntled with the Green Bay Packers, and I believe he actually does want out of Green Bay. I don't think that means, though, that he is trying to force a trade out. I don't think that means he wants Brian Gutekinds fired, but with the way that Adam Schefter reported it is that it was brand new information on draft night. That's how it exploded, right? This is brand new information. Everybody's everybody's now going to run with it in their own specific way. Then he comes a week later on the Dan Patrick show and said, this was not new information, and this didn't come from Aaron Rodgers, and this didn't come from the Green Bay Packers. This was just, I mean, and then he and then he tries to backtrack and say Aaron Rodgers has been saying this all offseason. It's like he talked maybe once in terms of after the loss in the NFC Championship game. So, and I know obviously Adam Schefter gets his sources and he can hear stuff every other day in terms of it. But if it wasn't coming from the Green Bay Packers and it wasn't coming from Aaron Rodgers, when you say sources say, it's kind of hard to believe it, is it not? So that's why a lot of people have been very, very upset with how Adam Schefter went about breaking this news. Not, I guess not breaking this news. It just would just be a developing story, right? But how it came out was this is breaking news. So hopefully that all, that all kind of makes sense on where we ended up and how we're at today with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I think... Most of what Adam Schefter said is, is of course, true, that he is disgruntled and he may even want out of Green Bay. Now, the part where he is trying to force his way out of Green Bay by demanding a trade to this team or to this team, all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers had a wish list of teams that he wanted to be traded to, which came to, what, the 49ers, the Raiders, and the Broncos? Was it, was it those three teams that were all of a sudden on Aaron Rodgers' wish list? 
And then the draft went by, and now all of a sudden, of course, that started to die down because the Packers aren't going to trade him for for nothing. And then, of course, there's salary cap issues. But anyways, we got to the point where I believe Aaron Rodgers is, yes, disgruntled and very upset with the Green Bay Packers, and he may even want out of Green Bay. I believe that is true and because Brian Gutekinst and Mark Murphy of the Packers front office didn't deny that. They said, we've flown out to Aaron. We've discussed a lot of this with him. So that you can tell is true. Now, the, the part where does he want to force his way out? Does he want Gutekinds fired? That we can start to look to A.J. Hawk, James Jones, and John Kuhn. These are the guys that have talked to Aaron Rodgers. You know it. James Jones is actually the one that I would probably trust the, ro- the most. He knows the Packers the most. He knows Aaron Rodgers the most. When Aaron Rodgers ever wants to break news, he goes to James Jones on NFL Network. Do you ever see Aaron Rodgers on ESPN talking with Mike Greenberg or Stephen A or, or any of those guys, you don't see Aaron Rodgers on there. You see him on Good Morning Football. You see him on um, Kay Adams' Instagram Live. You see him talking to James Jones on Total Access when he wants to break his contract news when that came out like two years ago or something like that. So these are these are the three guys. And then you got A.J. Hawk doing his thing with, with Pat McAfee, and he does a bunch of other things. And then you got John Kuhn with, what does he do, CBS Sports Radio? But these three guys actually talked to Aaron Rodgers. They believe this is something where they are not denying it either that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have a problem. The relationship definitely needs mending between the two parties. And it's more than just a contract issue. This has been kind of building, which is all stuff that's been reported. What these guys are giving you, though, is that this can be repaired. What everybody else, what Adam Schefter and everybody, this is unrepairable almost, is what's being reported. And that's another thing is how do you know when when you report something like that? How do you know? Because that's what also hurts the image of Aaron Rodgers. When Adam Schefter says this is going to be almost near impossible, he's going to work his way out. Jay Glazer says it looks like Aaron Rodgers won't be suiting up for the Green Bay Packers. When that gets reported, where are you getting that from? If it's not coming from Aaron Rodgers' camp, if it's not coming from the Green Bay Packers themselves, that's another thing that is... If you say sources say, like, what are your sources? Is that your own opinion? Because then you've got guys like James Jones, A.J. Hawk, John Coombe saying, I think this can be fixed. It's more than a contract thing. Aaron Rodgers might want a heads up or might want even some say in personnel, which is something you do for superstars. You cater to them a little bit more than you do the rest of the guys. You give Aaron Rodgers a heads up if you're going to cut a guy before he goes on national television the day before and praises him you give him a heads up and say hey we are going to draft a backup quarterback in in the first round here because we like this kid a lot you 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 cater to Aaron Rodgers more in those terms when it comes to free agency you say hey Aaron what do you think about us adding a guy like this do you have it you can cater to a guy of Aaron Rodgers' stature you can absolutely do that that is something that I think the the Packers organization is going to have to work through with Aaron Rodgers. They're also, in my opinion, they're also going to have to pay up. They're also going to have to make Aaron Rodgers the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, I believe. Right now, Aaron Rodgers' contract gives him absolutely no protection of being on the team past this upcoming season. And that's not something that Aaron Rodgers likes. He would like to be, what I've, I think I've read is he wants to be securely on the team until he's 40, you know, and then the Packers can do what they want. The, pa- the the timeline has shifted for the Packers and for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers thought 
they saw the decline in 2017, 2018 with Mike McCarthy, which led to his firing. Matt LaFleur comes in. You see him, you see Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They go 13-3, and but everybody admits they're not. Everybody thought they were a false 13-3 and team. Like, oh, this is this is not really a 13-3 and team. They kind of got lucky along the way. Aaron Rodgers, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, two interceptions, but a, a pretty low completion percentage, right? So everybody's like, ooh, is this, what is this from Aaron Rodgers? That led to the drafting of Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers was not back to the, the 2016 team that he just carried to the NFC Championship game against the Atlanta Falcons. He's, he was not back to that Aaron Rodgers where he was that MVP form. He was coming off of, what was it, two broken collarbones or two shoulder injuries in 2017, 2018. 2019, he's at least healthy, but he doesn't look the same. Then 2020, Aaron Rodgers goes off. He's still the same player that, that was the MVP, and that changes the timeline. The Packers were not expecting it. Obviously, they'll welcome it, but now they have to be able to change to what they've seen from Aaron Rodgers. And that's what Aaron Rodgers, I believe, wants as well. He wants commitment P- commitment to the team, to him, beyond just this upcoming year. And then there's going to there's gonna need to be more. And that's what they'll have to do to cater to a superstar like Aaron Rodgers. So in my opinion, what I've what who I'm trusting the most from this point on in terms of when it comes to Aaron Rodgers news, one, Aaron Rodgers, if he speaks... <laughs> That's that's the clear-cut number one source when it comes to this. Number two would be the Packers, and they're not going to give you much unless Aaron Rodgers says something, right? So those are your two best sources when it comes to Packers, is Aaron Rodgers says something about the situation or the Packers say something on TV or on record of the situation. Then I would go to James Jones. A.J. Hawk and John Kuhn. These are the guys that have actually been in touch with Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure James Jones is actually in touch with Aaron Rodgers constantly. That's who. That's where you're going to get. Otherwise, you're going to hear news throughout the rest of this offseason about Aaron Rodgers. He, like the next thing, actually, that's going to come up is about Aaron Rodgers' contract. And it's going to, something's going to spark that debate. And then all of a sudden, the Packers, the news is the Packers have released what they actually offered Aaron Rodgers. And that's going to, turn out to make Aaron Rodgers look bad where in the in the eyes of the fans it's like how, if it's about money why won't you take this money and yes it's a little bit about money but on the other hand it's more about respect from the team and and needing more from them and like I said you have to cater to a superstar like Aaron Rodgers so we're going to hear all this stuff up until the first day that Aaron Rodgers gets into camp with the Green Bay Packers and gets in front of a camera and talks about the entire situation the Packers aren't going to trade Aaron Rodgers this offseason, in my opinion. They're not, one, the, the draft is over. What you would want is something immediate to fill in for a superstar. An unprecedented trade, by the way, because an MVP has never been traded that next offseason. Two, the cap hit that this would cost the Packers, it would, it would cost the Packers more if they traded him now than if they were to have him on the team. It costs more for him not to be on the team for the next two years almost. Actually, I believe if they trade him after June 1st, it might might cut it in half a little bit, but it's still close to $20 million this year. 15 to $20 million it would cost the Packers for Aaron Rodgers not to be on the team. And then in 2022, it would be around the same number, I believe, for him not to be on the team. The Packers absolutely don't want that. And that's why there's been a struggle for them to renegotiate his contract because if they do want to move on, 
They don't want to have – it's called dead cap hit. They don't want to have that for Aaron Rodgers if he's not on the team. So that's why they've the, – the guaranteed money in the salaries, that's why they, they want to pay it all up front so then they can move away from it in the future because the Packers are in deep in the hole come next offseason when it comes to cap money in terms of how much the cap jumps. And, and, and because of this pandemic year, they're deep in the hole right now. So they don't want to keep pushing money out into the future. And that's what Aaron Rodgers wants because then it, it, it ensures that he's on the team, you know? So that's where, that's, that's, that's what I would do is I would wait for either Aaron Rodgers or the Green Bay Packers. Mostly it's, it's going to come down to the, the Packers aren't going to give you anything. They aren't going to say anything unless Aaron Rodgers says something, then they'll respond to it. But once Aaron Rodgers speaks, that's, that's the next bit of hard news that we're going to get on the situation, in my opinion. There's actually rumors on my social media feed right now that there someone spotted Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay today. So, I mean, now we're on, literally, I think it's trending right now, Rodgers watch in Green Bay. So until Aaron Rodgers speaks to the media, that's going to be your next bit of hard news in terms of this situation with the Packers. In my opinion, I think this is something that, that can be fixed, but I think Packers, the Packers organization isn't going to like it as much, but they're going to have to swallow it because Aaron Rodgers changed their timeline and they didn't want their timeline to get moved like it did. Their timeline was when they drafted Jordan Love. All right, we have Aaron Rodgers for two to three years and then we'll move on to Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers changed that timeline by winning an MVP. So that's something that the Packers now have to change their timeline to, but they didn't want to but they're going to have to. But I think this can be fixed. I think the Packers are just going to have to commit to Aaron Rodgers long-term. They're going to have to give him a little bit more in terms of what he wants, whether it's a little bit, say, in the roster, whether it's a heads-up in terms of, like, just more commu- the, the communication between these two, between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers front office, is is a total mess. It's just not good between the 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 level of communication that there should be between a superstar and, and a front office. And and the problem, and honestly, here's a big problem of why, is the Green Bay Packers don't have an owner. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have an owner to go complain to. And if, and if he doesn't have that kind of relationship with the GM, which a lot of GMs may just be the type of guys that are like, hey, I got to be able to, like you watched the, sh- you watched the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt. He's, he's the type of general manager that's like, I got to be able to fire these guys. I got to be able to send them down to the lower leagues, I got to be able to trade them. So I don't know if that's how Brian Gutekinds is, this, but some GMs are probably like that. So Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to talk to somebody, who does he go to? He can't go to one of the thousands of Green Bay Packers owners. He's supposed to be able to go to Mark Murphy. I don't know what, I mean, Mark Murphy doesn't necessarily have all the power that, that a lot of people think he does. But with no owner, Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have someone to communicate with. So for Dallas, for example, if Dak Prescott wants, let's just say, another weapon on offense and he doesn't go to the GM, maybe he can go to Jerry Jones and like, hey, Jerry, let me talk to you. I got a problem. Then Jerry Jones puts a little pressure maybe on, on, on the front office or he can talk to them. But that's just someone that a, a star player can go talk to. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that. And that's where you see this fracture in, in the relationship for the Green Bay Packers and their front office because Rodgers and them don't have good communication. That's what needs to be fixed for this to be resolved.
And then the man in the middle is Matt LaFleur, who, of course, wants Aaron Rodgers on his team because, one, I don't think they think Jordan Love is ready. And, two, I mean, his job has been tied to Aaron Rodgers and their success that they've had together, 13-3 and in, in their first two seasons. So we'll see. I think, I mean, A.J. Hawk, John Kuhn, James Jones, they all think it can be fixed. A.J. Hawk even said, I think he's going to start the year in Green Bay. No question. I think that's where he'll be. I don't believe the Packers will trade him either. Let's just hope they can get this fixed so that it's not a problem come the next season. You don't want this to be, like, it'll be it'll be a storyline the entire NFL season, no question about it, and it might not, and it might not even be their fault. But what they need to do is, in the locker room, solve this thing so that it doesn't hang over their heads the entire season. It can hang over their heads from the media. They got to be able to block that out and hopefully they can get past it from there on out. So let's discuss then the Packers 2021 draft and see if that is maybe enticing for Aaron Rodgers in any way. Maybe that can help in some way repair this this fractured relationship where I am I'm in agreement that he is disgruntled with the Packers. He may, I believe he does want out of Green Bay. I don't believe he wants anyone fired. I don't believe he's demanding trades to specific teams. And I don't believe this is beyond repair, which has been reported many, many times. I believe this can be fixed. And I believe that they will get it fixed by the time the season starts. But here's the Packers' first uh, six picks that they had in, in this year's draft. They, With their first round pick, 29th, they took Eric Stokes, a cornerback out of Georgia. 62nd, their second round pick, they took Josh Myers, the center for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Their third round pick, they traded up to 85 to get Amari Rodgers, wide receiver out of Clemson. And then their fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks, they go O-lineman, Royce Newman, defensive tackle to Daryl Slayton. And then in the sixth round, they go Shamar Jeans Charles, cornerback out of Appalachian State. So those were their first six picks in this year's draft. I believe they ended with maybe nine. I think they initially had 10, but they traded a few, and and they ended up with nine. But in in my opinion, I loved this draft for the Packers. If you look back at what their biggest weaknesses were in the the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers, what was it? Number one is, is a second outside cornerback. I mean, Kevin King struggled against the Buccaneers. He had his good times and, and then a lot of bad times with the Packers. So they go out and they get Eric Stokes, a cornerback out of Georgia. This dude is insanely athletic. He's about 6'1", same size as Kevin King, but this guy is lightning fast. He ran, I believe, a 4.25 40-yard dash. His broad jump, his vertical leap, the explosiveness, explosiveness, oh my goodness, sorry, that this guy has, this is a classic Green Bay Packers pick in terms of Premium position, cornerback, defensive tackle, outside or pass rusher, offensive line, and quarterback. Those are the five positions the Packers value the most in terms of a first-round pick. So Eric Stokes, this made a ton of sense for the Packers. He doesn't have to start right away because they brought back Kevin King. But if Kevin King gets injured, which he's had injury problems, if he struggles, which we've seen, Eric Stokes can then step in and be that number two corner guy. This guy is is a perfect pick for the for the Green Bay Packers. He's super athletic, a premium position. I mean, there you've got now you've got someone who you are hoping can fix that number two cornerback st- spot. Their second round pick, Josh Myers, center from Ohio State. He can play either of the guard positions too. Who did you lose in free agency? Corey Lindsley. He goes to 
the Los Angeles Chargers signs the now the second highest deal actually in terms of a center in in NFL history. So you grab a guy like Josh Myers in the second round, the second center taken in this draft actually after Landon Dickerson of Alabama. I mean, this is a guy now you have flexibility along the interior of your offensive line. Elgin Jenkins, do you I mean with David Bakhtiari most likely not going to be ready week 1. You've got Elgin Jenkins at a possible left tackle. You can put Billy Turner at left tackle. You can put either one of them then at right tackle. And now you've got options on the interior of that offensive line with a John Runyon, with a Lucas Patrick, with a Josh Myers now. You've got options, and the Packers need to keep solidifying that offensive line in front of whoever the quarterback ends up being. I'm going to assume it's Aaron Rodgers right now. But that's another position that you need to solidify and it's good to have depth. You saw the Packers struggle against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of the pass rush that was getting after Aaron Rodgers throughout that game with David Bakhtiari out. You need to solidify that offensive line. They do that here. Third round, Amari Rodgers, wide receiver out of Clemson. This guy is what a lot of people are calling him, Randall Cobb 2.0. This is the perfect slot receiver that the Packers have needed. You can have MVS on the outside. You can have Devontae Adams go wherever you want, the best receiver in football. Then you've got this guy, Amari Rogers. He can go in motion. He can take those jet sweeps. He's he's a he's a bigger version of Randall Cobb, basically, and he can be that slot receiver that the Packers absolutely want. The Packers even said, we were this close to taking him in the second round. They traded up, gave up minimal picks for him to get him in the third round. This guy is going to be great for the Green Bay Packers, in my opinion. This is This is a perfect wide receiver for the Packers. He's not, of course, the the top three picks of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell, but this is a perfect fit for the Packers with Amari Rodgers. Then with their fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks, Royce Newman, one of those guys that can play the tackle position, can also play the interior line, just more offensive line depth, and you want good players at those positions. Royce Newman is one of those guys. To Daryl Slayton, a fifth round defensive tackle, this is someone you're hoping you can put next to Kenny Clark. You need help on that interior defensive line with Kenny Clark there. This guy is massive, and he is explosive. That's what you want in an athletic in terms of a defensive tackle, someone that can get after the passer, someone that can hold up and, and, and make a wall in the running game. You're hoping to Daryl Slayton can be an upgrade over guys like Dean Lowry and Kingsley Kiki, and I know I'm missing one in there as well, but you're hoping that he can step up and fill that number two role behind Kenny Clark. And then a guy like Shamar Jeans Charles, another guy that fits great for this Packers defense. This could be your new slot corner. They need an upgrade over a guy like Chandon Sullivan and a guy like Raven Green, who I believe actually just signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They needed an upgrade at that slot corner position, the guy that plays on the inside. And Shamar Jeans Charles is definitely a willing and in a great spot at that cornerback position. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm looking at this draft, and I'm first as a Packers fan, I'm thrilled about this draft. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you need a, a first round wide receiver drafted. The guy that I mean, we we know about this. The Packers were going to try to trade up last year for Justin Jefferson. It just didn't work out. They couldn't get ahead of the Vikings, and the Vikings ended up taking Justin Jefferson. They were going to take Brandon Ayuk, but they got sniped by the 49ers who traded ahead of them to get him. You don't need a first-round wide receiver. You've seen how much talent the Packers have had at wide receiver. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is in the camp of grab me a first-round wide receiver or I'm definitely leaving Green Bay. I don't think he's in that camp whatsoever. 
there was actually a stat that said uh, in Tom Brady's first 16 years with with the team, they didn't draft a first round wide receiver. Hmm. How many Super Bowls did they win with Tom Brady there? It's not it, a first round wide receiver, and I'm in this camp that you can find Devontae Adams a second round wide receiver. Jordy Nelson. I think was a second or third round wide receiver. James Jones, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb. I mean, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is is forcing picks like that either. But you grab a guy like Amari Rodgers who can be the next Randall Cobb for this team, can be an upgrade of Randall Cobb possibly as well. I think Aaron Rodgers should like this draft that the Packers put in front of him. They've upgraded all the positions of need that they have on this team. Number two cornerback Eric Stokes, they're hoping can be that guy interior offensive line is set with depth as well with josh myers amari rogers you've got your new number two or even possibly number three receiver probably your number two receiver now you've got a nice looking wide receiver group with Devonte adams your alpha easy number one wide receiver in the nfl amari rogers your slot gadget wide receiver who can also he can return kicks he can return punts he can be the the jet sweep guy as well and upgrade over the position that Tyler Irving and Tavon Austin held. That's a huge upgrade in Amari Rodgers there. You've got MVS, your deep threat on the outside that takes the top off defense. And then you've got Alan Lazard as your possession wide receiver. That's four pretty good wide receivers on this team now. You've got Robert Tunyon, your your touchdown machine tight end. you got Mercedes Lewis, your, your blocking tight end, who's still at 36 or 37, the best blocking tight end in the NFL. You've got Jay Sternberger, who you're, you're waiting for that potential to come through. Then you've got the one-two punch of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the backfield. Are you kidding me? This is an offense that with Aaron Rodgers, this is another Super Bowl contending team. And now with the defense, you got a new defensive coordinator. You've got possibly a top three cornerback in Jair Alexander. You've got a tandem safety back there with Amos and Savage. And then you've got now Eric Stokes. You've got Kenny Clark. You've got Zadaria uh, Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. This is something that I think Aaron Rodgers looking at. One, and, and I get if he wants out of Green Bay and it's and it's more, but if it's about winning, he's not going to get a better opportunity than, than the Green Bay Packers. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I like what the Packers did with their 2021 NFL draft. Let's get back to the rest of the draft now. 30, almost 38, almost 40 minutes of just Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We needed to get into that. To sum it all up, Aaron Rodgers is very displeased. I believe he does one out of Green Bay. I think he'll end up staying in Green Bay this year at minimum. I think he'll actually be here for years to come once they repair this entire relationship that they have. But let's get to the rest of the draft here. Five quarterbacks taken in the first round, not six like my hot take that I had on my last episode. But the bigger surprise is Chicago trading up to get Justin Fields at pick 11. You remember I was when I was going through my mock draft, I wasn't predicting trades. That we had a bunch of trades actually once we got past uh, the first nine picks. So once we got to the Dallas Cowboys, we had the Eagles trade up there. Then we had the Bears trade up to 11. It, it, there, was a, there was a lot of trading once we got to pick 10. But Justin, the, how the draft went, it went Trevor Lawrence 1, Zach Wilson 2, which we expected. Trey Lance three to the 49ers, which I thought was was a great pick. I thought I think Justin Fields is the better player. Trey Lance is is maybe the better prospect in terms of what he can do in the future. 
And when you have Jimmy Garoppolo there, he's been a soldier through this entire thing. Let's not forget. But with Jimmy Garoppolo there, Trey Lance won't have to start right away, which I think Kyle Shanahan likes. But they can easily move on from Jimmy Garoppolo this year still if Trey Lance comes in and impresses the hell out of them. Or next year if they need Trey Lance to sit for an entire year. So Trey Lance goes third to the 49ers. Then the Falcons, who I thought should have at that point jumped on Justin Fields. They went with Kyle Pitts, that that generational tight end prospect out of Florida. Fifth was Jamar Chase, which was a little bit of a surprise. Jamar Chase goes to the Bengals. Two LSU guys, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, they link back up in Cincinnati. Then six was the Miami Dolphins. They went with Jalen Waddell, not Devontae Smith. They went with Jalen Waddell, the wide receiver out of Alabama, been compared to Tyreek Hill and the likes of that with his explosive speed and just downfield threat that he has. He's going to be a great weapon for Tua. Another duo reunited in Miami, this time two Alabama guys. Then seven, the Detroit Lions, they go with, they just went big this entire draft, which I love. They're building from the trenches out. So they went with Penne Suwal, that big offensive tackle out of Oregon, probably the best offensive tackle prospect in this draft. It was close, but he's, he's really good. They're solidifying that offensive line. They've got Jared Goff. They need to have him on the team for two years in terms of money situation. So they're going to build the rest of their team, and then when the time comes, when they get that quarterback prospect at the right position, then that they can use him right away, they'll have the rest of their team ready, which I love for the Lions. So they went with Penny Suwal at 7. 8 was the Panthers, and this is, was a little bit of a surprise. They went with J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. This guy is an alpha cornerback in terms of he'll match up against the best wide receiver. He... He gets a little handsy. He can, he'll have a lot of flags probably thrown on him in his rookie season. But he's not afraid of the challenge, which you love to see out of these corners. A cornerback's got to have that forget the play and move on to the next one right away, and he's got it. He'll, he'll forget if he just gave up a 40-yard pass play, and he'll intercept it on the, next, uh, on the next play. So you love that out of cornerbacks, and J.C. Horn is that guy. The Broncos then at 9. This is where everybody's like, all right, Justin Fields has fallen to you at nine. You have to go with Justin Fields. Of course, then the entire rumors of Aaron Rodgers were out there that he could go to Denver. And Denver goes with the cornerback out of Alabama, Patrick Sertan, at number nine. This was a lot of people's number one corner. And this was a bit of a surprise as well with a linebacker, Micah Parsons, still on the board. But they went with a cornerback, and and they're solidifying the rest of their defense as well. A little bit of a surprise for the Broncos going with Patrick Sertan. And then at number 10, the Eagles traded ahead of the Giants to grab Devontae Smith, the wide receiver out of Alabama, the Heisman Trophy winner, to pair with J- to pair with Jalen Hurts, another Alabama uh, duo right there. And then 11 is where the Bears traded up from 20 to go and grab Justin Fields. And I thought this was, uh, this was big for Chicago. Honestly, I love the move going to get a guy like Justin Fields here. The GM, Ryan Pace, and the head coach, Matt Nagy, they love this so much. They just saved their jobs for another three years. And honestly, there was all this talk when they signed Andy Dalton. They're like, this is our starter. This is our QB1. He's not going to be QB1 for long, in my opinion. I think Justin Fields, one, he's got a little bit of a, he's going to have a little bit of a chip falling out of the out of the top 10, going third, going, going fourth, being the fourth quarterback taken after guys like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, two guys he definitely thought that he could have uh, 
been, he, he definitely thinks he should have been the number two overall pick. I believe everybody knows, even all the players know, that Trevor Lawrence was going to be number one. But Justin Fields believes he should have been the number two overall pick, and he has a very, very strong argument for being the second-best quarterback in this class. And for him to fall all the way down to 11, the Bears got to love it. Justin Fields is going to have a chip, and I think he's going to be a starter before you know it in, in Chicago with Andy Dalton there. So and then and then actually the fifth quarterback Mac Jones went 15 to the to the New England Patriots. Actually, I'm looking at uh at how my picks did. I had seven picks on the nose, like right player to the right team, and that was Trevor Lawrence. I had the Zach Wilson pick to the Jets. That one seemed pretty obvious as well. Then my next correct one was Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers at 13. That's a great pick for the Chargers, getting a left tackle to protect Justin Herbert. I had Mac Jones to the New England Patriots. Let's see, what else? I had Caleb Farley to the Tennessee Titans. I had Christian Derrissaw to the Vikings, even though they got they traded down from the 14 spot with the, with the New York Jets, and they still got Christian Derrissaw down at pick 23, so good value there. And I had Najee Harris to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what is that? Three, four, five, yeah, seven. So seven on the nose picks. And then one thing that I like to look at too when I do these mock drafts is how many positions, how many did I have correct where the correct position going to the right team? So for example, the 49ers took Trey Lance. I had them taking Justin Fields, both quarterbacks. So I had the the right mindset of what they were looking for in terms of, of a position. I just didn't know obviously in their head. And a lot of people didn't which way the the 49ers were thinking in terms of what they wanted to do with that quarterback position. So I had I when I look back at that number, I had 15 or 16 of those correct whether and it it gets a little fuzzy when you look at outside linebacker and defensive end and pass rusher and stuff like that. But I think I got about 16 of the correct position to the right team and that's even with all these trades going on as well. But Obviously, the storyline was Justin Fields going to Chicago, Chicago trading up to get him. I think that was a, a fantastic move by them. Doesn't uh, They had to give up a first-round pick next year, of course. But if it pans out, Ryan Pace saves his job in Chicago. Matt Nagy gets to save his job in Chicago. Chicago fans are no longer just on the necks of, of these two guys because, man, they have been struggling for a quarterback. Chicago believes... They have their franchise quarterback, and they may they may be right with how talented Justin Fields is. I think you'll see Andy Dalton start the first two weeks, maybe even the first four weeks. But if the Bears struggle, it is going to be pressure cooker to, for Matt Nagy to immediately get Justin Fields on on the field because his his job is still a little bit in jeopardy. Ryan Pace is is safe for now, but once. Matt Nagy gets him on the field. He'll be safe for a little bit as well because, you know, then he can make the argument, ah, it's a rookie quarterback. You know, I need a little time. But those were the big storylines in terms of those quarterbacks going in the first round. All five in the top 15, not one at the back end of the first round. There was one at the back end of the second round that went to a team that I thought would take one, and that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Kyle Trask, the quarterback out of Florida. I thought maybe they'd take him in the first round to get that fifth-year option that you get on first-round picks with Tom Brady at the age of 43, but they took him in the second round. They got themselves an edge rusher in uh, in the end of the first round, but five quarterbacks 
in the first round. All very interesting places. Trevor Lawrence, day one starter. Zach Wilson, day one starter. Uh, Trey Lance, probably not a day one starter unless he impresses the hell out of them in training camp. Probably a competition in Chicago. Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, they might have said. Andy Dalton was their QB1, but that's all changed now with, with Justin Fields. And then do we have a quarterback competition in New England? I don't know because that's where Mac Jones ended up at pick 15 going to New England. I think with Cam Newton on the one-year deal, I think uh, in the way that Bill Belichick said, he said Cam Newton is going to be our guy. So I think it's going to be Cam Newton and Mac Jones sitting back. How funny is that, though? Just the complete two opposites of quarterbacks in Cam Newton and Mac Jones. But we'll see how all five of those quarterbacks fare this upcoming season. All right. Draft winners and losers from this past NFL draft. By the way, these mean absolutely nothing. I love doing these still, and I love uh, you see uh, Mel Kuyper's draft grades and stuff like that. Absolutely nobody knows how these guys are going to pan out. They're going to be busts. I mean, Zach Wilson could end up being the bust of this this quarterback group. I mean, when the Cardinals took Josh Rosen, everybody's like, wow, what value to get possibly our, our number one pocket passing quarterback at pick nine? Oof, how did that pan out? How about Jamarcus Russell? as the number one overall pick as well. So, but I mean, it's still fun for, for guys like me to do as well. But uh, but nobody knows ex- how these picks are going to fare out. But here's here, I'll give you a couple of my draft winners from uh, from this past draft. I, I liked the Cleveland Browns draft a lot. I liked the Los Angeles Chargers draft, the Jets, believe it or not, and the Chicago Bears. The Bears, I think, had a really good draft as well. I'll start with the Chargers. The Chargers, their first couple picks, Rashawn Slater, Asante Samuel Jr., a cornerback out of Florida State, Josh Palmer, a wide receiver out of Tennessee. And then they've got other good pieces in the late rounds. But in Rashawn Slater, you get an offensive tackle who can be that left tackle for them, the blindside protector of Justin Herbert. Now, and with Corey Lindsley and who else did they sign in the offseason? Matt Feeler. This offensive line now can be one of the best. I mean, Herbert was pressured. This is a stat that they can record on how much it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean sacks. It doesn't necessarily mean QB hits. It's just pressure. Pressure on Justin Herbert 217 times last season. That's huge. This is something that needed to be addressed and they address it. Now they've got Brian Balaga at the right tackle. They've got Penny Suwa. I'm sorry. They got Rashawn Slater at the left tackle. They got Corey Lindsley in the middle and then they got Matt Feeler playing one of those guards. I I'm pretty sure they probably already got that other guard spot locked up. But now this can turn into a top 10 offensive line with Brian Balaga, Corey Lindsley, and Rashawn Slater being your bookend pieces and your middle piece. That's a very good offensive line. Then you got Asante Samuel Jr. They lost Casey Hayward in free agency this year. They needed a new starting corner. Boom, they got it in Asante Samuel Jr. on, on day two. You get a guy like Josh Palmer, a wide receiver who can be a slot guy and come in and work with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, be another piece there. They got a late-round tackle in Brendan James, who can be a really nice developmental piece. I mean, you've got an aging Brian Balaga. This is a guy that can maybe step in when, when Balaga's done. So I really liked what the Los Angeles Chargers did. I'll also, with the New York, we'll, we'll go to the New York Jets next. I mean, Zach Wilson, you knew that was going to be the pick. But I really liked this move of moving up in the first round to grab a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker. This guy was considered the safest pick in the draft in terms of an offensive lineman. This guy can be an all-pro left guard. He can be an, he can play all positions, I think, except center. So he can even play left tackle. They don't need him to play left tackle because they've got Makai Becton. 
but you can have him be the left guard next to Makai Becton, and that left side of their offensive line is set. I thought that was really smart. This is what the Jets, this is what I talked about with the Jets. They needed to make sure they didn't make the same mistakes with Sam Darnold, and they haven't so far. I mean, the, the, Elijah Vera Tucker at 14 was great, and then they get a, a weapon for him at the early in the second round in Elijah Moore, a guy that a lot of people thought would be a back end of, of round one wide receiver. This guy is a weapon that can be used greatly for Zach Wilson. He's going to be the day one starter. And then they also got a running back out of North Carolina, Michael Carter, in the fourth round. This was a lot of people's, they, they, they had easy two, two first round grades on, on, on running backs in terms of Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. Then it was between the two North Carolina guys in Javante Williams, who went early second round to the Broncos, and this guy, Michael Carter, who went who they got great value for in the fourth round. I, this is what this is perfect for the New York Jets. First four picks. You get your quarterback, you get someone to protect your quarterback, you get two weapons to help your quarterback out in Elijah Moore and Michael Carter. Then they went defense the rest of the way, which they need help across that defense. So I mean this this was to me a great draft for the New York Jets in terms of first protect protect your quarterback with weapons and offensive line, then work on that defense from there on out. The Bears then was another team. Justin Fields, which I thought was a home run pick, getting him at pick 11 is great, but then you get a guy like Tevin Jenkins who I thought was a pick for the Packers possibly in the first round. You get him early in the second round. This is a guy, I mean the Bears just lost Charles Leonard, Leno, excuse me. Their left tackle, they needed to cut him due to uh, cap constraints. Tevin Jenkins now can come in and be their, their left tackle. They can move their current left tackle and make him their right tackle. Tevin Jenkins can come in and be a day-one starter along that offensive line, help protect Justin Fields. They also got a wide receiver then later in the draft, Daz Newsom. They also they got two. Actually, they went back-to-back tackles with their second-round second pick in Tevin Jenkins, and they got another one in the fifth round. They got a running back and a wide receiver then late in the in the sixth round that, that can be contributors to help out Justin Fields when he gets on the field. I think the Bears, but the Bears to me, what, what made this a really great draft for them, it's all about Justin Fields. And then Tevin Jenkins, I think, is a little like icing on the top. You get your next franchise quarterback, cross your fingers, in Justin Fields, then you get a guy to protect him in Tevin Jenkins as well. Who else did I say? Oh, the Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns got my player that I thought for the Packers in Greg Newsom, cornerback at, at pick 26. This is something that the that the Cleveland needed a little bit at the position. They had guys like Greedy Williams last year who got injured. They had safeties get injured as well. So Greg Newsom can come in. This is going to be a strong secondary. And like I said with the Cleveland Browns, on paper, this looks like a great roster this roster doesn't look like it has many holes and that's uh, on paper of course now they gotta they gotta go out and perform but with Greg Newsom now at cornerback that secondary is solid then they get this guy who I thought they should have taken in the first round Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa they got him late in the second round I don't know how this guy dropped he's gonna be one of those one of those hybrid linebackers all over the field I think this could be possibly the steal of the draft it's, it's incredible. So, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Look at this secondary now. They've got Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, who is their number one guy. They also just signed Troy Hill, the slot cornerback from the from the Rams. He is fantastic. 
this is incredible with with some of these picks that they have here one position that they may have not addressed entirely is pass rush opposite of miles garrett miles garrett's going to get you 10 to 12 plus sacks a season easily they, they signed to davion Clowney. you're not sure if he's going to be the guy there but i mean they the, the rest of this this team is stacked they got another receiver in anthony schwartz who can come in be that slot receiver we'll see how it works out with odell beckham i mean you still got jarvis landry there but baker mayfield made it work even without odell beckham they got some developmental pieces along the offense and defensive line but i think with those first three picks especially greg newsom fantastic jeremiah owosu kormoa i think he's going to be the steal of this draft i i loved this draft a lot for for the cleveland browns so those were my four winners losers this is one of those things again you just you don't really know i had the saints with a reach in the first round for a guy peyton turner a defensive end out of houston a lot of people thought that this was not 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 really a value pick for the saints they could have went wide receiver they need help on the offense for whoever the quarterback is going to be they do need help in the secondary as well they went with pass rush opposite of cam jordan but what this pick tells me i mean do you remember when they traded up with the Green Bay Packers and when the pa- in, in 2018 when the Packers took Jair Alexander and the Saints traded up oh boy I can't even remember this guy's name but he was just a freak athlete but he was he was uh underdeveloped in terms of his pass rush pass rushing skills but the, the Saints gave up a ton to go trade up with the Packers for him and and it didn't pan out and now they might be reaching again in terms of of this Peyton Turner so we'll see how that works out for them. I had the Seahawks as one of the teams that I really didn't like their draft. And it's hard to judge their draft. They only had three picks. So, I mean, I don't know if that's that's necessarily fair. But that that's one of the things. And then the, the San Francisco 49ers, another one. For me, I thought they should have taken Justin Fields instead of Trey Lance. They also, I think, reached for a running back in, in the third round in Trey Sermon out of uh, Ohio State. I just wasn't a huge fan, but for me, the, the biggest one was not taking Justin Fields and instead going with Trey Lance. Also, they, they, it just seemed like a couple of not, not really great value picks in terms of their second day and third day kind of kind of picks. So that's those were my three losers from, from this draft. And again, like I said, nobody really knows how this all works out. But I'll give you my favorite picks from this draft in terms of player to team. But So the Browns, I just talked about them. Their first two-round picks in Greg Newsom and Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. I'm going to be fantastic at that name because I love that player so much. I'm gonna, that name is going to be painted in my, in my head, and I'm just going to nail it every time. I liked the Tevin Jenkins pick at 39 to the Bears. That was a good one. Here was a great first-round value pick for me. Christian Derrissaw, the uh, tackle out of Virginia Tech, I believe, or Virginia. He went to the Vikings at 23. I had the Vikings taking him at 14. I think he is uh, one of those guys that are really going to help out the Vikings and then their offensive line woes, either if it's for Kirk Cousins or if it's for Delvin Cook. Actually, the, the Vikings surprisingly went with a quarterback in the third round and Kellen Mond too. So I don't know, is the clock ticking on Kirk Cousins up there in Minnesota? That's something we can discuss in future episodes for sure. So that was a great first round uh, pick value in my opinion. The Panthers taking Terrace Marshall Jr. at pick 59 in the second round. So now the Panthers have an abundance of weapons for Sam Darnold. 
They've got they've still got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Now you add in Terrace Marshall as a third wide receiver, a possession wide receiver who can be that guy in the red zone as well. How big he is! You've still got Christian McCaffrey as well. They they might have to figure out that um, tight end position a little bit, but this was a great pick. I thought. I mean, this is who I th- I th- I had Terrace Marshall as a first round wide receiver to the Baltimore Ravens, and they went in a different. Po- uh, direction i believe they went with rashad bateman the wide receiver out of minnesota but this was a great value at the end of the second round it, it almost reminds you of dk metcalf falling to the end of the second round not not the same player at all i'm not comparing marshall to metcalf i'm comparing the fact that a lot of people had metcalf going possibly in, in late middle of the first round right terrace marshall was in that conversation middle of the first round maybe end of the first round with the ravens but then you saw DK Metcalf fall to the end of the second round to the Seahawks. Same thing here for, for the Panthers. Not not same player, just same kind of fall. The Giants, they took Aziz Ojalari, the outside linebacker out of Georgia. I had him at the end of the first round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They went, I believe, in a different direction with outside linebacker. But the Giants, with their first round pick, they took Kadarius Tooney, the wide receiver out of Florida, when I thought they needed a pass rusher, uh, a Jalen Phillips, a Quiddy Pay, Quiddy Pay was available for them it, with their first round pick. They didn't go that route, and they still get their pass rusher here in Aziz Ojalare at pick fifty. So good value there. That's why I, that that's how I'm kind of picking some of my favorite picks here is the value that each uh, that each team is getting with a great player at the time that they get them. So Aziz Ojalare to the Giants at pick fifty was good. I loved the Packers taking Amari Rodgers in the third round. I would have been okay with him in the second round, but I think they needed to come away with a wide receiver, and they've got, in my opinion, one of the top 10 wide receivers, and they got him in the third round. And then here's one, a shout-out to UW-Whitewater, Quinn Mirnez, the center out of UW-Whitewater. I hope I said his last name right. I believe I did. The, he goes to the Broncos at pick 98. He was a lot of people's uh, second-ranked or third-ranked center in this draft. I believe it was Creed Humphrey, number one. Then maybe Landon Dickerson too, probably Josh Myers, and then Quinnen Mirnez three, and then Josh Myers to the Packers at four, most likely. But I mean, and then, and then I guess that leads me to Creed Humphrey, who went to the Chiefs at the with the second to last pick in the in the second round. I mean, the Chiefs have just rebuilt that offensive line, and I think that is uh, exactly what they needed to do in terms of of what they lost this offseason. and they need to continue to protect. Patrick Mahomes. So that's kind of my wrap up of the NFL draft. Sorry, it's taken me an hour to get to it in terms of talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers draft like that. But overall, a great weekend of draft picks. And and I love just watching this entire weekend. Even on day three, you can see, I mean, I was, I remember watching it in, in Vegas with my friends and a friend of mine and I, it's, it's round five and we're still hoping the Packers can get this defensive lineman out of Iowa like that that's just great you don't not a lot of people do that but I just love that I even that I have friends that do that with me that that'll watch it like that a lot of fun to do but all right we'll move on quickly here we got the NBA playoffs and the play-in games but the big thing that I want to talk about is so LeBron James he returned from injury last week but he went back out for two games just missed these past two games against the Nuggets and the Blazers I believe the they, they split those games, and Anthony Davis gave the Lakers a scare as well with uh, with an injury there. But 
Last week, LeBron James, the Lakers are possibly, actually right now, they're in the seventh seed, which would be that new play-in tournament to get into the playoffs. LeBron James was asked about it, and this is what he said. He said, whoever came up with this play-in tournament needs to be fired. But the problem with him saying that now is when earlier this was brought up, this concept last year, it, it sounded like he was all for having it, saying, sure, let them play their way in. And to me, this is uh, this is a gotcha moment for LeBron James because it's funny how the tables have turned. You've missed 25 games this season. Anthony Davis has missed 35 games. The Lakers haven't been able to be the Lakers without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's kind of caught up to them in terms of they're going to be in this play-in tournament, and now LeBron, of course, doesn't want to be in this play-in tournament. In my opinion... I don't think LeBron has a reason to be upset. I think he's being a little bit hypocritical in his displeasure for this NBA play-in tournament game because I think he would have absolutely no problem with this play-in tournament if he was one of the top three seeds in the NBA in terms of seeding. But now that he's not, now he doesn't want to play this extra game to get into the playoffs, which is fair. I mean, you don't, you doesn't, <laughs> you can't hold that against him for not wanting to play this. Uh, this extra game, but let's let's discuss how this how this play-in tournament works. Here's how it goes: the seven, eight, nine, and ten seeds in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference get entered into this this play-in tournament. I put quotes around that. But how it goes is the seven and the eight seed match up, and then the eight and the nine seed match up. There's three games: the seven seed and the eight seed. Those two play. The winner of that game is the seven seed in the playoffs. They make the playoffs. Whoever the winner of that game is. The second game, the 9 and the 10 seed, those two teams play each other. The loser of that game is eliminated from the playoffs. They now enter the draft lottery. They're not in playoff contention. So the winner of the 9-10 team plays the loser of the 7-8 team. Then the 7 and, and then that matchup, so say it would be like the 8-9. Let's say those are the two teams. Whoever wins that matchup, that's game 3, would then become the 8 seed in the postseason. So if you're the 7th or 8th seed before this play-in tournament, you have to lose twice to be out of the playoffs. If you are the 9 or 10th seed, if you lose once, you're out. Hopefully that kind of makes sense. So right now where the Lakers are at, they are the 7th seed. They would play. If they would, if they win their first game, they're in. No problem. <laughs> their first game, though, as the standings are right now, would be against the 8th seed Golden State Warriors. Nobody hotter. Then Steph Curry this season probably going to win uh, the scoring award. The what is, I don't know what that award is. That you just have the most points scored <laughs> this season. He's probably going to be your highest scorer this season. So not an easy task. So I get LeBron James's frustration, but when you get called out like that, in terms of of you were for it just a, like a eight months ago, and now all of a sudden since you're in contention for this play in tournament that you don't want to be a part of it not not a good look dude <laughs> unfortunately that's that's not good for you because you are going to probably be in that tournament you've had the ankle injury that's been hampering you now i get his upset i can i can understand this level of frustration maybe this wasn't the year to implement it with covid you had the the champs the lakers and the miami heat another team that are battling for the in this uh, play-in tournament, they're the sixth seed. They're right in front of, ahead of the line. 
those two teams were playing all the way into October or late September, October. Maybe this wasn't the year to implement this play-in in tournament, but I think in the long run, this play-in tournament is a great idea. I'm, I'm all for it, giving the 9 and 10 seed a chance. I mean, they don't have an easy chance. They have to win two in a row. And in the 7 or 8 seed, they have to lose two in a row. You just got to win one of two games. So, but in my in my opinion, or not in my opinion, I can see the frustration of not wanting this tournament right now this season. I can understand that because of just the just the off season, the, the lack of an off season actually is what I'm trying to get at in the lack of rest that these players deserve when when they finish a season, whether it be as an NBA champion or as a, a loser in the playoffs. They still need an offseason to recover and, and such like that. So I can understand the level of frustration there in, in terms of maybe this wasn't the year. But in the long run, I think this play-in tournament is absolutely the right idea. But if we take a look at the standings real quick, here are your four teams in, in the, in the play-in tournament for both sides. You've got Boston, Charlotte Hornets, Indian, Indiana Pacers, and the Washington Wizards. Those are your four teams. It's pretty close. That's in the Eastern Conference, Miami, and the Atlanta Hawks. They're just on the outside, looking okay right now, but they're only a game ahead of being in that play-in tournament. And then on the other side, you've got, uh, here's probably your four, t- your five teams that'll be in this one. Los Angeles Lakers, Golden State Warriors, Memphis Grizzlies, and San Antonio Spurs. Those are your four teams in the Western Conference in the play-in tournament. Right now, if the Lakers want to get out, they got to get ahead of the Portland Trailblazers. They just played a pivotal game against them last night, and they lost, I believe, by five. Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard both put on a show. Anthony Davis doing all he could to win this one. LeBron James was still out. He'll, he'll, he most likely will return next week is what they're hoping. But with that, Portland has the tiebreaker now where if if the Lakers and, and the Trailblazers have the same record, the Trailblazers would be ahead of them in terms of getting out of that play-in tournament. So it looks like the Lakers right now are on the outside looking in of getting out of this play-in tournament. So that's where it's looking right now. Other teams, you've got the 76ers, Bucks, and Nets, easily your top three teams in the Eastern Conference. On the other side, you've got Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns battling for that number one seed in the Western Conference. But then you've got the Clippers, Nuggets and Mavericks. They've all locked up playoff seeds as well. So that's a look at where we are one week now. We have got one week left in the NBA season. So our next uh, our next podcast, we'll be talking about who's in the play-in tournament, who ended up in the playoffs, and we'll get to discuss more about that. All right. Final thought here on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for sticking with me. We're over an hour now. But this is something that I wanted to it's, – it's really quick. Tom Wilson, you might not know who this is. He plays for the Washington Capitals hockey team. This is this is hockey. Stick with me. I don't I don't do hockey much, but this is something that I couldn't ignore. But there is a rivalry a rivalry between the Washington Capitals and the New York Rangers, but it got out of hand in my opinion when Tom with Tom Wilson and them this past week. So Tom Wilson was fined $5,000. He had two hits on New York Rangers players. One was when they got into a scrum near the goalie. Uh, the scrum's not the right word, but they got into a fight near the goalie, and Tom Wilson punches a New York Ranger player in the back of the head while his head is basically in the ice. 
I mean, he punches him in the back of the head while this dude is face down in the ice. So then one of his teammates, a New York Ranger, comes up to Tom Wilson, tries to pull him off of him, where Tom Wilson then turns around, flips this dude, and pushes him down into the ice. This caused an injury. I believe, what is this guy's name? It's his Artemi Pan... Wow. Panirin. Boy, I am bad at these hockey names. But this is the teammate of of Ranger Center, Ryan Ryan Strome. He pulled Wilson off a teammate, and Wilson began engaging with him. He's the guy that I believe he punched in the back of the head while his face was in the ice. So, I mean, ouch there. Then a different Rangers guy, this Artemi Panarin, jumped on Wilson, and Wilson then flips this guy onto the ice, which then caused an injury, which is going to keep him out for the final three games of the regular season. And, I mean, so that happened in one game. Then the next game... As soon as the puck dropped to start the game, there was three fights between the Capitals and the Rangers. They did. I don't know if they do back-to-backs or best-of-threes, but they had a game the very next day. Immediate fights as the puck dropped. Tom Wilson didn't start this game, but as soon as he got on the ice, within five seconds, he had two New York Rangers on him. Over 125 minutes of penalties between these two teams. That is unheard of in terms of how much uh, there, there was fighting in this game. And Tom Wilson has this reputation as probably, he's probably considered the dirtiest player in the NHL right now. And he is just unsafe. Those two moves that he did on the New York Rangers players in that first game is just unheard of. It's very unsafe. He got only fined 5000 But a lot of people are have seen this before from Tom Wilson, and a lot of people are very upset with, with the safety concerns that he brought up. I'll tell you what, it was insane to watch and there's when it comes to hockey fighting there's 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 a level of uh like we're fighting i'll I'll punch you in the face yada yada but i'm not gonna like ruin your career i'm not gonna go for your knees i'm not gonna do anything like that yeah you might have a broken nose but that's hockey you know that's the kind of fighting that they do but what tom wilson was doing was dangerous punching a guy's head into the ice flipping a guy where he could have landed on his neck any sort of thing like that with now he's got a leg injury you know not career ending of course but you don't want anything like that. When it's fighting, these guys are just trying to punch each other in the face. That's the kind of fighting that they do in hockey where Tom Wilson's fighting is kind of taking it to the next level, which has concerned a lot of people. Now, I mean, the the $5,000 fine, what I've been reading is they're waiting for him to do something else like this so that the NHL, I guess there's like levels of how much you can, you can how much punishment you can give on, on one, you know, like it's it's a level system. So his next one, they can come down hard on him. And they're they're not hoping for it to get to that, but they are ready, is what I've been reading, to give him that kind of punishment because of the the reputation that he has kind of brought upon himself in terms of being in the NHL. So it was just unbelievable. Hundred over 125 minutes in penalty minutes. This was just huge news. I mean, hockey was hockey had to love the the limelight for a half second, but not for the right reasons when they when they tipped off, when they when the puck dro- the puck dropped, puck yikes, when the puck dropped for that second game, immediate fighting. They, it was insane. They had three fights. I they I mean they had probably had one referee for for each fight, just monitoring it. Tom Wilson not even on the ice yet, and then when he got on the ice, then you had two Rangers guys go after him there. I mean the penalty boxes were were had more players in the penalty boxes than on the bench. It was insane and if i if it wasn't for the first reason with with tom wilson with the with the dirty fighting in the first place 
it would have been hilarious, right, to see all the, and it was hilarious to see everybody in the penalty box when the fighting then became back to, is it weird to say civilized fighting? But that's kind of the term that I want to use. But when it came back to civilized fighting, it was hilarious to see everybody in the penalty boxes. You just hope that if when Tom Wilson gets into another one of these things, because he will, especially when the Rangers and the Capitals face off again, they're rivalry teams. But you hope that he doesn't get to the point where it's another injury concerning thing and you just hope it stays to, I'm going to say it again, the civilized <laughs> hockey fighting. But we'll see. All right. Last thing, final, final thought on today's episode of the final, final podcast, card games. I have mastered blackjack. Feel free to ask me any of the basics. Don't worry about it. You remember uh, the first time when I talked about a Vegas trip and I lost X hundred of dollars playing. Well, this time we went to Vegas for a bachelor party. Shout out to my friend. Congratulations, Lane Hannadel, on your uh, wedding and your engagement, of course. Vegas, I came back positive this time. Doesn't matter how much I came back positive. It's not like it's life-changing positive amounts of money. As long as you remember that I came back positive, that's the thing to remember. It's always good to not lose money. I have mastered blackjack now two nights. Two nights came back positive. One night was just a rough night. We're not going to talk about that one. But mastered the basics of blackjack. We're all good from here going forward when I go to the blackjack tables. All right. That's all I have for you on this episode of the final, final podcast. Thanks for sticking with me. Hopefully, we worked through a lot of the mess with Aaron Rodgers. There will be more. We'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers until he speaks or until we see him on the field in a Green Bay Packers uniform. That's our hope, of course, as Green Bay Packers fans. But we will see. There's going to be a lot more rumors. Try not to read too much into him until you hear something concrete from, I believe, either Aaron Rodgers or the Green Bay Packers organization. And you're not going to get anything from the Packers until you hear from Aaron Rodgers. But all right, thanks for sticking with me through this one. Uh, thanks for listening to all my podcast episodes as well. Stay safe out there. And that's all I have. And that is the final final.